Go ahead, give the Lord a good praise, amen. Awesome. God is doing something. Amen. Seems like only yesterday that he was running from the grunions there on the beach one night. <laughs> now he's sharing God's word. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. I had to say that. All right. It's good to be here in the, this morning, house of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, open them up to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. I'm going to read a verse there. Man, it's been exciting. Man, looking forward to hearing from some of the young people and what God places on their hearts. So remember, pray, read your Bible, and be sensitive to how God uses things like Bible study and all those kinds of things. It's important. Amen. He's on it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Something must be happening in that McCreary house. Amen. <laughs> God is doing great things. Numbers chapter 16, verse 4. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And I just simply want to read this one verse and talk about this, uh, this event. Um, I've been looking at this story, at this chapter for uh, some time. And I felt the Lord uh, wanted me to, to go here. So this is what it says. And I'm just going to read that one verse. It says, when Moses heard this, he fell face down. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that um, as I talk about this story, that you would, would speak to us. Send your spirit. We need you, Father God. That there's something rich and life-changing and transformative about prayer and reading your word and gathering together and being sensitive to what you're doing as we gather as a community of faith, that somehow in, in these things, this is the formula for eternal life, the, the formula for, for victory in life. And so I just pray this morning that as we've gathered together in prayer and in the reading of your word, that we be sensitive to what you're doing here this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen, amen. amen. So, you know, I read this story, I, I read this chapter, and the first thing that I thought of, I remember uh, as a kid, and I can remember way from way back, and, and I don't know if this, you've ever had this happen to you, but whenever I would watch somebody sweep, like sweeping, whenever I would watch somebody sweep, I would always notice that they would miss something. You know, little dust bunnies, crumbs, whatever it is. And, and if I'm having a conversation and somebody is sweeping, I, I, from way back in the little kid, I would just kind of watch, you know, watch them, what they're sweeping. And they're probably thinking, why don't you do something instead of watch, you know? <laughs> but as I watch sweeping, it, I would, without fail, see some, like, they'll miss something. And, they'll, you know, just keep sweeping and, and miss it. I'm like, don't you see that? You know? Can, you know, you missed a spot over there, you know? And, and be one of, like, a backseat sweeper, you know? You missed a spot. Can you go back and get that? And I would notice things like, like that. Um, I don't know why that happens, but I, I'd see those kinds of things. Now, now, here is a story about a guy named Korah who had been with Moses for a, a very long time. He had been with him. Uh, he had risen to be a, one of the top leaders there in Israel. And so it's almost like uh, you know, being around Moses and, and 
uh, serving with Moses for so long, it's almost like watching the guy sweep for years and years. You start to catch some of the things he's missing. Now, he, he missed a spot over here. And, and he missed that over there. And, he, and he's missing things. And he doesn't have it all together. He's, he's got all these things that he leaves out of place. And, and, it, and it began to weigh on him. And he began to think, man, you know, I can do what he's doing. I can do that. I can, matter of fact, man, I, I won't miss these spots. I won't make the mistakes that he makes. Have you noticed he, he's missing this and he's, and he's missing over here and he's doing this and he's doing that? And so he, began, he, be, he became this ringleader of, of a rebellion there in Israel. And there have been many rebellions, even up to this point in the life of Israel. There have been all kinds of rebellions that had taken place, but Korah's rebellion was by far the most challenging for Moses and for Israel. Every other rebellion was either limited to a few individuals or maybe it sprang up, you know, kind of spontaneously after some event, some crisis event happened, and then all of a sudden people began to murmur and complain. But, but it, it, you know, they were never like this one. There was a, just recent, before this event, there was uh, Miriam and Aaron that rose up. You know, God speaks to us too. God speaks to us too. And, and they started this, this little rebellion. Or, or the time when they were at the place called Mara, where the water was undrinkable. And people began to grumble and complain. Or at Kibroth, Hatava, where people began to complain about not having enough meat. And, and they wanted, you know, Moses to do something. And man, we had plenty of food back in Egypt. All kinds of food. You brought us out here to the desert to die. And it started a rebellion. And it would spread. And people would say, yeah, that's right. Man, he's leading us out here. Man, we had leeks and onions and garlic. Sounds good. <laughs> we had leeks and garlic and onions. And you brought us to, to the desert to die. Time and time again, there were rebellions like this. But all of those other ones were kind of disorganized. They were kind of like spur of the moment attacks on Moses' authority. They, they weren't organized. They weren't well planned. They were disorganized. And there was no clear, definite plan in any of those. They weren't necessarily premeditated. They weren't planned out. They either lacked the leadership or they lacked the organization, but this time it was different. This was a totally different kind of rebellion. Korah organized the perfect conspiracy to attack Moses and to bring Moses down. So after years of, of him watching Moses sweep, man, he had some things, man, and he, he went to some of the leaders, 250 of these guys, and began to talk to them about the things that he noticed in his life. In his mind, Korah's mind, he imagined himself as superior to, to, to Moses, and, and, he, and he probably was. When he compared himself, he probably saw himself as, as faultless. Man, I am faultless compared to this guy. I would never do that. And I would never do that thing. And I, I wouldn't be as meek and as humble. Man, I would be bold and I would do the things that a leader should do. Man, what is wrong with this guy? 
does this guy think he is? So he gained the support of those 250 respectable leaders, respectable men. Verse 2 says that they were well-known community leaders in Israel who had been appointed in in their area of authority. King James Version calls them princes of the assembly. Princes, you know, famous in the congregation, men of renown. This is how they're described in the Bible. These were not nameless, unknown men. These men were known. They were the the cream of the crop. They were the, the top guys. If these guys are rallied against Moses, there is no doubt in anybody's mind that Korah must be right. Anything you say about Moses, anything you bring against Moses, and you have all these guys backing you, the top people in Israel, man, you've got to be right. There's there's no doubt about it. Why is Moses the leader? Why do we have to listen to this guy? So there's this growing feeling of his incompetence. This guy is incompetent. And they began to spread the word through through their communities. All of these leaders were leaders of, of various communities. And if they were backing Korah, everybody was backing Korah. Some rebellions rely on brute force. We're just going to take this thing by force. Bold confrontations, you know, confront the band, you know, talk to them and confront them. But Korah's rebellion was smooth. It was smooth. He was, he was a genius at turning public opinion against the man of God here. And he had the right guys to do it. But what he didn't know was that if he had simply asked Moses, Moses, who do you think the top guy in Israel is? Who do you think the top guy, the number one, the most most sophisticated, the, the most capable guy in Israel, who do you think that is? Without hesitation, Moses would have said, well, you are. Moses would have said, you are. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3 says that Moses was a very humble man. In fact, it goes on and it says he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Not just in Israel, on the face of the earth. Without hesitation, he would have agreed. He would have consented. He would have concurred. Yeah, you're the man, man. You are the man. You are are by far sharper, better more qualified, more competent than anybody else. He had no pride. He had nothing to, he wasn't trying to prove anything. Moses had simply obeyed God. His biggest flaw was that he stepped out in faith to do what God called him to do. This is what God called him to do. Knowing that he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, Knowing that he was surrounded by competent, able people, Moses was simply faithful. I'm just going to be faithful to what God called me to do. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to slow down. I'm I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And sometimes God calls the incomplete man or the incomplete woman. People who miss things when they sweep. Who overlook things. Men and women who don't have it all together, who don't have all the answers, who, don't, who, who may not be so impressive 
to everyone. Sometimes that's the person that God chooses. Had they asked him, Moses would have agreed that every one of those guys are better than he is. More skilled. Man, those guys are sharp. Thank God that they're, that they're here. They're more skilled than I am. They're better qualified than I am. They, they, this, they, you know, it's just natural what they do. They do it so naturally. Moses would have said, man, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. God simply chose me. God simply picked me. I, I don't know why he didn't pick this one or that one. This was just simply the Lord's choosing. Now, how are you going to take down a guy like that? How are they going to take down a guy like that who in his own mind sees himself as already at the bottom? He's not trying to fight for supremacy. He's not trying to fight for being the top person, the fight for, uh, uh, you know, uh, being noticed, being counted. He's already at the bottom. So when they came at him that day, his first response was to fall on his face. Can you imagine? They come to him, and who do you think is? You've gone too far. And, and the Bible says he fell on his face. Fell on, some of us would have got in their face, right? Who do you think you are? You know, let's go, we can go out in the back of the tent, man, and take care of this. Right? He fell on his face. Some, for, for some reason, confrontation is usually, usually, uh, you know, our, our first priority. Let, let, me, let me gather up my ammunition. Here they come. Let me, let me prepare myself. What am, what am I going to say? Let me call him on the carpet. Demand an explanation. Let me confront him. Let me put him on the spot. But for Moses, God was his first response. God was his only response. Moses had access to the tent of meeting. Now, at that time and during those days, they had the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. It was a, it was a, a tent, like a, a portable sanctuary where all he had to do was go there and talk to God, talk to God, meet with God. This is a, a, a temporary place that they carried with them throughout the, throughout the desert. And, and when God would meet with them in this place, God would actually show up. And there would be times when a, a cloud, a, a a pillar of fire or, or a cloud would hover over this place indicating that God was present. God was there. He was there meeting with Moses, speaking to Moses as a man would speak to someone face to face. He could have gone into the temple. He could have brought this issue to God in the temple, but he bypassed all of that, all of the rituals, all of the conventional wisdom, the process. There's a process to this thing. He, he said, man, forget the process. I need to find God right now. I need to find God, man. Whenever he showed up into the, the, the tabernacle, man, God would show up, but not this time. He didn't go there. Rather than going to the tabernacle, rather than following the procedures and the rituals, Moses bypassed all of that and went straight into the presence of God in prayer. He didn't find a closet. All right, let me go find my prayer closet, you know. It wasn't nothing in secret. 
in front of the assembly, 250 men, Korah and, and those guys that came in front of everybody, he fell flat on his face. And he went to God right there. You know, it's interesting because the writer of Hebrews tells us that the tabernacle was simply a copy of the sanctuary in heaven. That's what it was. It's a copy, like a, a foreshadow. When we get to heaven, and you're going, right? Are you, anybody going? Okay, there's a couple of us, all right. When we get to heaven, we're going to see the actual, the, 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 the original, the OG. Amen? We're going to walk into the OG sanctuary, right? And you'll see what it is like. You'll see the dimensions. And, and it'll be full, so much grace there. You can feel it, man. God is in the presence of this place. It is the true sanctuary. This was temporary. The tabernacle was temporary. The tabernacle was imperfect. The writer of Hebrews tells us that it was imperfect. And that access that it, that it had there to God was limited. There was limited access to God in that temple, in that sanctuary. But when Jesus would finally come, 1,500 years after this event... After this story, when Jesus finally came, he opened up the way to this living, real sanctuary. And you have access to that sanctuary. Today, you can approach the throne of grace with confidence that you will obtain mercy and grace in your time of need. That there is access, unlimited access available to you. It wasn't available like that in Moses' day. But he bypassed the limited sanctuary. He bypassed the tabernacle. And he fell on his face. When Moses fell upon his face, man, he bypassed every regulation all the wisdom of his day. People probably tripped out. What is he doing? You know, bowing down. Is he afraid to face Korah? No, he's not afraid to face Korah. He's afraid for Korah. He's afraid for the man who would rise up the way he rose up. And he went to God and, and directly to God by falling on his face. Sometimes we got to let God fight our battles. Sometimes we got to find a way to get to God, removing all of the obstacles, the conventional wisdom of today, the philosophies of today, all of the strategies on how to deal with conflict. Just fall on your face before the Lord. Don't worry about what people say you ought to do. The confrontation, the, you know, gathering evidence. Let me, I'm going to get this brother back. I'm gonna check your text. I'm going to get this sister, man. I'm going to, you know, record this message. Let everybody hear what she said to me. I have some ammunition. Hello. He fell on his face before the living God. Because it's God that can really do something about it. And when he arose, man, he had an answer for that mob. Man, if you've ever read that story, he had an answer for that mob when he rose up from prayer. It's like what they say in the home. Man, he went down believing, came up receiving, right? <laughs> came up with an answer. He didn't debate anybody. He didn't debate anybody. Uh, he, he didn't, uh, you know, argue with anybody. 
Uh, he didn't try to convince them. He didn't try to change their minds. He didn't do any of that. When somebody has a bone to pick with you, sometimes you just simply have to take it to God. Just take it to God. There, there is no changing their minds. You're not going to change their minds. In Numbers 14, verse 4, they said, man, let, and this is a whole different story. They said, hey, let's choose another leader. Man, we're tired of Moses. Let's choose another leader and let's go back to Egypt. Can you imagine? Let's choose a, Let's find somebody else that will take us back to Egypt. Well, let me tell you, just as a side note, you don't need help to go back to Egypt. <laughs> right? This bus is going back to Egypt every day. And the fare is free, right? In fact, it, it will pay you. That bus will pay you to get back into Egypt. Let's choose another leader and go back to Egypt. You know what Moses did at that time? He fell on his face. He says, I don't have time to run to the tabernacle. I don't have time to call this leader or that leader. I don't have time to look for the right scripture. I don't have, let me go into the presence of the living God. This is urgent, man. I need to go before the Lord. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 6, when, when there was no water for the people and they stood up against Moses, he fell on his face also. This is his M.O. This is his, his method of operation. This is what Daniel did when people tried to throw him out into the lion's den. Remember that? People began to speak against him and come against his character to tear him down publicly and, and, and change the public opinion about who he was. He was a man of, of integrity, a man of faith. And when they came against him, man, he shut the mouths, not only of his accusers, but the mouths of the lions because he went before the Lord, man. He went before the Lord. On his own, Moses had no answer for this crew. Moses had no answer. He knew that the only remedy for this kind of challenge has got to be found in the hands of God. David said this in Psalm 34, verse 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord, get this, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. He delivers them, man. He sought the Lord in time of trouble when, when things are pressing when it seems difficult, he ran to God. He goes to God. God, you're going to have to fight this one. I don't know what to say. I, I don't have the wisdom. I can't, I can't com compare myself or compete against these 250 of the elite of the land. I can't, what am I going to say to these guys? You know, I know a little kung fu, but you know, what am I going to do against 250, right? Right? <laughs> when God fights your battles... All you have to do is be silent. When God fights your battles, all you have to do is stand firm. When God fights your battles, all you have to do is hold your ground and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf and on behalf of your family. You just stand firm. You, you remain silent and let God do what God is going to do. It's when we take matters in our own hands that we mess things up. Give it to God. Moses had no answer to give. No reply. He was silent before his accusers. The same way Jesus was silent before his accusers. 
We were talking about this in Bible study recently. How being silent in a time of accusation, man, that looks like guilt. Did you do this? And you're like, say something. And you're just quiet. Man, that looks more guilty than anything, right? It's, it's, sometimes it seems like it's better just make something up. Just say something, you know, do something. But he was silent before his accusers. Jesus was silent. He didn't have to, you know, in his silence, he appealed to God. It's like, God, God it's almost like they think that this is my fight. It's almost like they think that I'm going to stand up and have words to say, this is yours. And in confidence, he approached the throne of grace and gave it over to the Lord. Man, and God fought that battle for him. Moses had no answer to give. But God showed up. The Bible says in Numbers 16, 5, that in the morning the Lord will show up. This is Moses telling them. In the morning, after he got up from his prayer, he says, in the morning the Lord will show up. And, or the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy. And he will have that person come near to him. The man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. And the Bible goes on to say in chapter 16, verse 31, that the ground underneath the feet of Korah and that whole group of people, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all Korah's men and all their possessions. They went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. Then fire fell from the sky and consumed the 250 as they were offering incense, trying to prove their righteousness. God is able to fight your battles. And I, and I want to say this, just God loved Korah. God loved Korah with an everlasting, the same way he loved Moses. God loved Korah. God loved uh, the other, the 250. He loved them. He loved their families and their children. But all of them perished. All of them perished because of the rebellion. All of them. And they all perished. And, and God had to choose sides. God had to say, you know what? I can't allow this to happen. Not in the community. And, and, and had, had all of them, when, when they saw Moses fall on their face, man, the, the conviction to say, you know, man, he, man, I better go down with him. If Korah had gone down with him and, and told the others, man, you know what, man, he's right. Man, God chose him. He, and, and maybe he misses things when he sweeps. Maybe he's overlooking things that he should not overlook. And maybe that's what God called me to pick up. The things that he missed. Maybe that's my responsibility. Maybe that's our responsibility. Because God had no intention of destroying these men that he raised up. They lost their families. They lost their children. They lost everything. But I want you to know this morning that we need to let God fight our battles for us. He's able to shut the mouths of lions. He's able to shut the mouths of accusers and naysayers. He's able to raise up the least of us, to raise up the dead, man. He's able to put babies in the arms of mothers who were barren, who sought the Lord with, with tears. He was able to meet the needs of those who had no way, no possible way to see a bright future. He encourages the lowly, the discouraged, 
surely God can fight for you. Amen. If you go to him, man, bypass all of the stuff that people have tried to put on. Bypass all. Just go directly to the Lord. And you'll find grace in time of need. Amen. The greatest storms can't overthrow a man or a woman who makes God their strength. If you make God your strength, man, there is nothing that can stand against you. Amen. Romans 12, 19. I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you can dance your way up. Amen. It says, do not take revenge, my friends. It's, it's not ours to take revenge. That's the, wor- the worst thing. The worst thing I can do, you can do. And, and, and we're guilty. The worst thing is to try and take revenge. To take out of God's hands his responsibility. He says, it is mine to avenge. That's that's my role. I judge. I deal with with people. He doesn't want any of us doing his job for him. He doesn't want any of us to play the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts. We don't need to try and convict convict people, uh, convince them of their wrong, pointing things out in their lives. He says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Deal, Deal kindly with them. Man, if people are mistreating you, man, uh, bless them. Be good to them. Uh, You know, uh, provide for them. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. And in this way, you'll be like heaping coals. Not that you want to heap coals on anybody's lap or anybody's head. But God is saying that's what it's like. That's what it's like. Because his anger begins to burn when he sees injustice. When he sees his righteous ones being mistreated, the people that he's called, maybe you miss a few things when you sweep. Maybe people have talked about you. Maybe it's bothered you, man, that, you know, wow, man, I'm, I'm unfairly being judged, you know, and, and that happens. It happens. It happens in community. It happens in church. It happens, man. It, it happens uh, on, on, intentionally. It happens by mistake, but it happens, and it's painful things we hear, the things we see, the things we experience, those things happen. But what we need to do is go to God. God can sort it all out. He can fight for you. He can raise up a standard for you. He can set a hedge around you and protect you. He can honor you, restore whatever the enemy has taken from you. But we need to go to him in the midst of the battle. We need to go to him. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Scripture simply says that he fell on his face. Father God, I pray this morning, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself in power, that you would reveal yourself, your presence, my God, your your grace and your presence with us in our time of need, my God. Father, when the battle is fierce, my God, when we feel, Father, the the, the, the nearness of the enemy, my God, when we, when we sense the threat to be real against us and against our families, Father God. Father, I pray your grace, my God, would overwhelm our circumstances, that your grace would surround us, my God, that you would flood our lives with your presence, Father God, that you would rebuke the enemy, Father God, that you would raise up a standard. Father, we pray, Father, that you would send angels that will fight for us, my God, angels that will do battle on behalf of your people, 
angels, Father God, that will encamp around us to protect and lift us up, Father, in time of need. That you would heal, my God, the brokenhearted, encourage the lowly, Father God. Father, we trust you this morning for who you are. Fight for us. Fight for us, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, and God is willing to do that this morning. God is willing to do that this morning. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. Some of us, Lord, we, some of us, Lord, we've been like, like Korah. Some of us have been on the receiving and like Moses. We've been on both sides, Lord God. And this morning, we just ask for, for your grace. Forgive us, Lord God, where we have been like Korah. And help us when we have been like Moses. Father God, you've raised up both. You love both. And Father, we just pray right now here at this altar that your presence and your ability to transform, to protect, to renew, to restore is here this morning like never before. You desire to do a, a, a powerful thing, a lasting thing in the lives of your people. That's what you promise, that your sanctuary is effectual, that as we enter in, we find grace in time of need. So be present for us this morning, right here at this altar. Be present. And if the Lord has spoken to you, I'm going to invite you to come. I want you to come to the altar. Come this morning and find grace in time of need. What needs do you have? What threats loom over your household? What threats loom over your family? What's been said and done against you? What, what, what threats kind of uh, have posed themselves and positioned themselves to bring discouragement and fear? Father God, I pray for your overwhelming power, Father, to fight on the behalf of your people. I pray for your presence here this morning, Father God, for grace, my God. Grace, my God. I pray, Father, for forgiveness, Lord God. Strength, Father God. Peace, Father God. Healing, Lord God. Transformation, Lord God. We need you, Lord God, like never before. We need you this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are.